you are so excited that you've chosen to listen to Discover Church today. Pastor Curtis has kicked off a brand new series today with the help of our own DC kids titled Lyrics of Christmas. Well, good morning. Oh. Good morning. I uh, apparently, I'm holding a pretend microphone right now. No. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, it's good to see that some of you uh, had the opportunity to uh, this week, uh, this morning, when you got up and you decided to dress. I'm not sure, though, that uh, you quite brought it like I did this morning. I feel a little bit like I won. I, I don't really know. I was going to say, there's a couple of you that are, you know, you have some, some what I would call mild amusements to your outfit, to your strategy, but uh, listen, uh, I mean, if, unless you're going to go full out suit, I mean, from head to toe, I mean, come on. Uh, but Merry Christmas. I hope that uh, so far that you are enjoying uh, the Christmas season and uh, we're getting ready to kick off our Christmas series today, The Lyrics of Christmas. But before we do that, I just want to say if this is your very first time here at Discover Church, uh, on behalf of my wife, Amy, myself, Curtis, and the entire uh, team here that helps to lead Discover Church, I want to thank you so much for being here with us this morning. No, I don't always look this dashing, but it's because it's ugly Christmas sweater day. Uh, so if this is your first time here, one of the things we do like to ask, if you could, uh, when you came in, you should have received a worship guide. On the inside of that is a connection card. If you could fill that out for us today, we promise you we're not going to bug you to death, but we just want to be able to reach out and connect with you at some point this week. And thank you for being here with us. Also, if you've never taken the opportunity to fill one of those out, uh, this today's the, the day for you to do that as well. We thank you so much for that. And don't forget to check in today. We have what we call the check-in challenge. And this month, all month long, for every five check-ins that we receive on Facebook or Instagram, you're going to help provide a book to a child in Tanzania. And it's going to be a great opportunity for us to uh, partner with an organization that's helping to get books to the children of Tanzania. So it is such an awesome job. You get to make a difference in somebody's life simply by saying that you were here on Facebook or Instagram. Well, as we're getting ready to kick off today, I, I wanted to let you know, so the lyrics of Christmas is what we're going to be doing for our Christmas series, and I am excited because if you were here last week, you would know I am kind of a Christmas musical nerd, okay? Like, I, I love listening to Christmas music. We turned it on as soon as it like became on, on the radio, like we were listening to it at our house. We love it. I, I love some of the carols and some of the old hymns. Uh, listen, uh, I love it so much. This is this. I just want to give you a, a little insight into my life. In my uh, my office area uh, of, of where we have at the house there, in my office area, I literally have a book. It's this thick of a book that uh, gives me background information on on hymns and the stories behind them, and it's hymns that I've never ever heard and with words that I have them. Some of them I can't even say. Uh, my vocabulary, after all, is not that good. I'm from Sussex County, everybody. Okay, but uh, but I, I love the old hymns and I. I love uh, the carol. So for part of our lyrics for Christmas, one of the things that we're going to be doing is we're going to each week, we're going to be taking a look at a, a, a Christmas carol and we're going to be kind of looking at it and seeing how maybe, you know, what were the mindset when they wrote it? What was, what, what are some of the ways that we can allow this to impact our life? And today we're going to kick off 
with uh, such a classic one. Today is O Holy Night. And uh, I, I want to give you just a little bit of background on this. And then we're actually going to have an opportunity. We're going to sing this as part of the message. So, uh, so, stay, so stay tuned for that here in just a few minutes. But if you've never heard O Holy Night, or, or as far as you don't know the background, the story of it, it was actually in the mid-1800s is when it was written. And it was written uh, by a guy, uh, Placide uh, Chaplou. Uh, I, I don't speak French, so I probably butchered his name. And so uh, for Placide, I, I'm so sorry that I did that. But Placide was asked by a French priest to uh, write a hymn, or write a poem, really, to Luke chapter 2. And listen, Placide was not known uh, for his strong Christian beliefs or his strong Christian morals. In fact, uh, he was considered, uh, as what they would have done back in the old day, a rabble rouser, right? He was a hellraiser. He was somebody that was really loved to turn it up. But this priest knew that he had a wonderful way with words, and so he asked him to write this and oh, what became his O Holy Night. And what he ended up doing, Placide ended up asking a friend of his who was not a Christian either, neither one of these were Christian men, to uh, put some music to it. And what they wouldn't know, of course, is that this song would become popular throughout the church, throughout uh, Christmas time, and it would gain a lot of popularity. And a bit, another really important bit of information I bet you, you didn't know about O Holy Night is that in 1906, Reginald Fessenden, who was a 33-year-old Canadian professor, he did what would have been considered at the time an impossible thing. He, on Christmas Eve in 1906, built a new type of generator and a new type of contraption out in his garage that he put together. He created a microphone, and he became the very first person to broadcast over what is known as AM radio. Now, for those of you who are young, you have no idea what AM radio is. It's the one that you don't listen to anymore. Uh, it, it, AM radio, though, was initially kind of the first airwaves that was sent out, and he did this. He read Luke 2.1. He says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and then after he continued to read read Luke 2, which of course was what O Holy Night's based off, he played this song, O Holy Night. It was the very first song ever played on AM radio. And to do a much better job than AM radio today, is we are going to welcome all of our folks from Discover Kids and the worship team. They're going to come back out and they are going to ask you, would you stand as they're getting coming in? We're going to sing O Holy Night today as part of our service. Watch this. Oh, holy night, 
stars are brightly shining, it is the night of our dear Savior's death. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul fell.
Let's give it up for them. Yeah! Good job, guys. Awesome. Bless you guys. You may be seated. Something about when they get together and start singing, isn't it? I was going to say, that's pretty good stuff right there. I was going to say, and if uh, I hope that you enjoy that, and I hope if you have students and DC kids that you will continue to be bringing them back, because guess what? They are going to get to serenade you every Sunday morning with a song, with a Christmas song from now till Christmas. It's going to be so awesome and special. So I hope that you will make sure to plan to be back with us for that. And uh, Oh Holy Night, though, I was going to say, that, that's such a such an awesome song. And, you know, one of the things that it does is it sets up the sense of what it was a little bit, doesn't it? It, it kind of kind of wants to paint that picture for us. But the picture that Oh Holy Night paints might be one a little bit different. And here's the question I have for you this morning. How many of you have a, a, a manger scene at home? Do you have a manger scene? You, got, you set one up? Okay, now listen, if you come to the Jones home, you're going to see that we don't have a major scene, we have multiple major scenes. Like, we have to have one in every room, basically, uh, because uh, my kids, uh, when they were younger, uh, they kind of would fight over who would get to set, you know, the whole major scene up, the one that was in the living room area. They would fight over who got to do that. And so, uh, so just to be the, the gracious, wonderful parents that we are, we just decided to buy major scenes for everybody. You get a major scene, and you get a major scene. And everybody got one. And so uh, so now they, they have the opportunity. They set one up in the room. And I, I'm sure if the manger scene that you have probably, you know, you have Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And you might have an angel in there. And you have some donkeys maybe and a sheep. And, and then what? You, you probably got the wise men, right? And a shepherd is in there. But, you know, when we really think about what happened on the night that Christ was born, on, when we go back to that, that time of Christmas so many, many years ago, you know, the major scene really that we have in our house sometimes does kind of a disservice to it because it, it, it's kind of one of those things where we have the little little barn and it just looks cool and then the sheep, you know, put the sheep over here and the donkeys over here and you do, they do their thing, right? But uh, uh, imagine if you would, you know, that uh, uh, after the census was declared and it was become a time when everybody had to go back to their own town and that's why Mary and Joseph were doing this. They were headed back to uh, to their hometown there and, and what happened was, you know, you have a nine-month-old pregnant woman who was uh, decided that she, in order to get there, she had to ride by donkey and has, has anyone ever rode by donkey before? I have. It's not pleasant. It is not pleasant at all. And, and to imagine that she rode this donkey for somewhere of between 80 to 120 miles. Uh, that, that's a long distance. Like we've done, we've passed Dover, folks, let me tell you. And that's a long ways away uh, to, to be on the back of a donkey. But here we have a, a teenage girl who is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, which is a whole questionable thing. Like what happened, right? What in the world, what is in the midst of, what is God doing in the midst of all this on the back of a donkey riding for miles and miles and to find that there's no room, there's no place for her. So where does she have to sit up? She has to sit up in a manger or what's commonly considered at the time is to be considered a cave. That they were in a small cave to give birth 
And, and listen, I don't know uh, if you've ever had children. I don't know, guys, if you had a wife that was pregnant at one point in time. But listen, here's what I know. My, I know my wife, uh, when she was pregnant with both of our kids, she could barely ride in a car, right? She, it was one of those ones that caused major discomfort uh, for her to ride in a car at a certain point in time. Uh, so we had, we, we never traveled very far, you know what I mean? It was, a, you, you were never very far from a home at any particular time. And, and, and how many of you, uh, if you were there, uh, ladies, I know you were there, but guys, if you were there, if you were in the delivery room, right, and you had to experience uh, all the crazy, listen, I, I don't, I don't even know. I blocked some of it out. It was so crazy. I don't want to remember. You know what I mean? I, like, uh, she's mad with me, and I don't know what happened, and the doctor's there, and we're just, uh, all I know is we want pain meds, we want the epidural, we want the shot, we want whatever stops the pain, right? We want all that stuff to happen, because the delivery room, it can be a scary place. But here we have an old holy night. We have when Joseph and Mary, when they come into the scene, the manger scene, when they when they get in there, we find that Joseph is left basically by himself with this a young girl who's never given birth before to be uh, to walk through this with them. And, and the best that they have at the time is a donkey. The best that they have a time at the time is, is a couple sheep and, and some other things around them. And, and so it, it's it's a scary place. To imagine for the birth of the Savior to come into this place. And, and for this series, we're going to be taking a look at some songs and the song with O Holy Night. We're going to look at uh, some words or phrases each week for the song. And I think the one that really kind of stood out to me the most for O Holy Night, the one that I kind of related to and, and kind of uh, just called out to me a little bit was the, the one that says, A thrill, a thrill of hope. For the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Because one of the things I kind of feel like captures the mood of so many people around us now is that people are tired. People are weary. And that's because we live in a 24-7 society, don't we? We live in something where you have to work all the time. you got to be doing something all the time. Your kids got to be involved in something all the time. It's, it's a go, go, go. And, and even in the midst of that, even if you're, you can be somewhat enjoying yourself in that, you still, you just get tired, you get worn down, you get weary. But the thing I love about this song talks about the thrill of hope because the weary world rejoices in the what and the new and the glorious morning. And, and in the new and glorious morning, you know, what's that talking about? That, that we're talking about the fact that uh, one time there was a, a life without Jesus and then, then the next time there's life with Jesus the next day, when, when Jesus came into being, when he was born, it, it, it changed everything. And today we're going to kind of look at a couple points that when we live for Jesus and we live with Jesus, there's going to be some things that change in our life that can change. And maybe you've not experienced all these changes yet. But today, I, I'm hoping that through the song and the words of All Holy Night, through the, song, uh, through the words of Scripture today, that we're going to be able to, to tie some of this together. And if you have your uh, your Bible with you, whether it's uh, the old-fashioned paper version or whether you have your phone with you version on it, uh, make sure that you uh, have a, a way to read Scripture with you at all times. That's the greatest thing about the society and technology we have right now. If you want to turn to the book of Lamentations, 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 we're going to go to a throwback book here. This is not one we use very often, right? Nobody, nobody has uh, their memory verse normally out of Lamentations. But today we're going to be reading a little bit out of Lamentations chapter 3. 
And so if you have that, turn there with us this morning. They'll have it up on the screen as well. And Lamentations is written by the prophet Jeremiah. And this happens after the fall of Jerusalem around the year 586 B.C. So uh, not quite 600 years before Christ. Uh, the, the city of Jerusalem fell, uh, they were taken captive, and, and, and the people, as you can imagine, were distraught. And, and one of the things that's really hard for many of us as being Americans, right, because we've never experienced this. We've never uh, really had to experience in our lifetimes, we don't really know what it is, right, for something to come and take captive over where we live. Like, we never, we don't have to worry about invasions coming, we don't have to worry about, we've never had any of that stuff happen to us. But can you imagine for a second if... Everything that you knew and everything that you thought that you loved and you held near, right, was flipped totally upside down. And that is kind of where uh, pro the prophet uh, Jeremiah is writing from in this point. And in, Jer or in Lamentations uh, 3, we're going to start reading in verse 20, and it says this. It says, I remembered then, and my soul is downcast within me. Man, I, I, he's downcast. My soul is downcast within me. He says, yet this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. And of course, this is that's really strange, right? Because he just literally in the first in the first verse there talks about how downcast he is. He's he's so just down. He's you know in, in the words that we have here, weary. He's he's tore down. He's he's wore out. But then he says that I have hope. In verse twenty-two, it says, "Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For the, His compassions do what." They never fail. And in verse 23, they are new every morning. I love here because when he says they are new every morning, he kind of changes gears, right? He's, he's kind of having like a proclamation moment where he's talking. But then after this, when he says they are new every morning, he kind of turns it and he starts talking to God because he says, listen, he says, great is your faithfulness. And in verse 24, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion and therefore I will not, or I will wait for him. In verse 25, the Lord is good to those who hope is in him. And it says to the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now listen, I can read that and sometimes, you know, we have trouble grasping that. But listen, this is a man whose everything is flipped upside down and whose world has just come up falling and crashing down all around him. And in the midst of this, he says, listen, every morning, every morning is new with God. Every morning because his faithfulness is great. Because and, and what am I going to do? I'm going to take and I'm going to wait Wait on God. I'm going to take and wait because guess what? My salvation is coming from God. So if we're going to flip this and we're going to take and look at this in the way it relates to Jesus, let's look at this. It says, uh, we're going to say a new day with Jesus brings this. If you're taking notes, number one is exactly what you need. A, a day with Jesus, a new day with Jesus, when you wake up in the morning, guess what that brings to you? It brings you exactly what you need. Now listen, I didn't say it brings you what you want. There's a lot of things in life I want that don't come, but it, a day with Jesus brings us exactly what we need. And so when we experience that, uh, you know, in Lamentations, in some of the scripture we read there, it says in verse 24 through 24, it says, I say to myself, the Lord is what? He is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever, you ever get in the mood like where you got to kind of like psych yourself up to do something. 
You know what I mean? Like, like every once in a while, like I'll get a job, right? And I do not want to do the job. I just do not want to do it. I'm, you know, I kind of sit there, psyching myself up, convincing myself, okay, if you just go at it, just get it done. Let's let's go. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. Sometimes that's what we have to do a little bit in, in, in order to get ourselves through. We gotta kind of do a little bit of preaching to ourselves. Or you ever seen like the football team like before they get ready to go when they're all in the huddle and they're bouncing around and you got the guy, the captain in the middle, he's he's cheering them up. He's jumping them up. He's, he's hyping them up at the beginning of the game. He does that because not because they, 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 they know that what's going to be ahead of him is going to be easy, but he's doing that because guess what? He knows there's a battle coming. There's a fight coming. There's something they're going to have to prepare for. They're going to have to go for. And guess what? That is what Jesus can do for each and every one of us when we just get psyched up and allow to realize that he is exactly what we need. And listen, there's plenty of scriptural example for this. Listen, in the Old Testament, when Israel, when the nation of Israel was wandering around in the desert, right, they had just been delivered from slavery, right? They had been delivered. They were free from Egypt. They're walking around. They're out in the desert. And then the next thing they know, they realize they ain't got no food. They're in the middle of the desert. So what does God do? He gives them exactly what they need. He gives them manna every morning. Every morning. Just, isn't that crazy to think you walk out and you go outside and there's just manna, bread, quail, all this stuff. Everything you need for the day is right there for you. It's already there for you. And listen, here's the, th the funny thing what God wanted to do, though, with the nation of Israel at the time when this was happening. He wanted to make sure that they understood that he was going to be there for what they needed. Because you know what happened? If they, wanted, if they tried to store too much, what would happen to it? It would spoil. It would rot. It, it, you couldn't keep all that stuff extra. You had to get just what you needed just for the time. And then after you got what you needed for that time, that was enough. And again, guess what? You wait for the next new day to come for God to provide you what you need. And listen, even Jesus tried to teach us this and tell us this because if you were to take the opportunity to look at the Lord's Prayer, what's one of the things that Jesus said when he prayed the Lord's Prayer? He said, God, give us today our daily bread. He says, give us what we need for today. Give us what we want for today, what we, can, what we need just for today, not always the wants and the desires and the things that we want, how we want extra to accumulate. Listen, today I, I want to let you know that in your marriage, Jesus is exactly what you need. If you're struggling, Jesus is what you need. Listen, if you feel weak, guess what? I, 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 if you Sometimes if you feel at the end of the week that you don't know how you're going to survive, you, know, you get through and you say, gosh, it's only Wednesday. How am I going to survive? Listen, Jesus is what you need. If you feel lost, like you, you don't have a purpose and you don't understand where you're supposed to be going in life, guess what? Jesus is exactly what you need. If you're hurting, he's the one to bring you comfort. If you feel down... The best thing about this is, is this, that when you feel down, he can bring you joy. He, he literally is the one who created joy because a new day with Jesus brings exactly what we need. The second one is this, is that when we have a new day with Jesus, guess what? We find the hope to keep going. Now listen, hope is something that we all need, isn't it? I love how it says in, this, in the song, the thrill of hope because the weary world rejoices and in Lamentations, the portion we read in verse 25, it says, The Lord is good to those who hope is in him. It says, to the ones that seek him. And, and I think that this is interesting. I heard somebody say this, and, and, and I thought this was pretty cool. I wrote this down. It says that a person can live 
on average, okay, you can live about 40 days without food. Now, I'm not sure I could live 40 days without food, but that's what they say, okay? I feel like my ratio is more like 12 hours, give or take, uh, somewhere in there. Uh, but, uh, but 40 days, you're supposed to be, you could realistically you could go without food. Uh, you can last about eight days, all right? Eight days without water, all right? You can go four minutes, and I don't know this is right for me either because I feel like my time would be a lot less than this. You can go about four minutes without oxygen, okay, that you can survive. I, for mine, I don't hold my breath very well. I feel like mine might be about 33 seconds. That's probably, I'm gonna be tapped out, all right? I'm gonna be gone. But with all of this, you know, 40 days with food, eight days without water, four minutes of oxygen, but, you know, they said, we can really, as people, we, can, we can't last a few seconds if we don't have any hope. If we don't have any hope, it brings us this struggle you know, for us to, to, to find our existence, to find our place in the world. And, and listen, sometimes we, we all know, this has probably happened to many of us, that at points in time in our life, and maybe you're here now, where we put our hope in things that, that weren't right, that, 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 were, that were wrong. You, maybe you put your hope in the stock market and the stock market lets you down. Let me tell you, the stock market's gonna let you down some days. Some days you're gonna be like, yeah, baby, let's go. And the other days you're gonna say, no, what happened? Because guess what, we can't, that's not something you can put our hope in, it's not sustainable. For some people, they put their hope in their job and they put so much into their job and their effort and their energy and their job basically, they have their creation of who they are and tied together with their job. And then when the pink slip comes, or when the, the, the office closes or, or when you get let go or whatever happens, guess what? All of a sudden we, we find this calling, this deep longing inside of us saying, what happened? What's, what's going on? Sometimes we put our hope in a person. I can tell you how many people I've talked to Married couples, they put so much of their hope in the other person, and they get so uh, so messed up when the other person lets them down, because guess what? They put their hope in a person. People aren't going to let you down. Listen, I love if you would hope in me, but I can tell you, if you do, I'm going to let you down, because I'm not the consistent one that we put our hope in. Your, your wife or your husband, your children, are you, they're not the ones that we can consistently put our hope in, because they're going to let us down, they're going to hurt us. But one of the things that I love, one of the things that I love about God through His Holy Spirit is that we can constantly put our hope in Him. And the amazing thing is, is when we do that, guess what? He never seems to fail. He never seems to, He might not act in the time frame that you want Him to, but He doesn't fail us. And when we, when we look at Hebrews 10.23, says this, Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly. To the hope that we profess, if we profess our hope in God, it says, for he, uh, he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. And one of the things I love about the Hebrews there, it, it wants us to tie back to the fact that our hope can come from God. Because listen, he's delivered us in the past. We just have to remember what's happened in our past and how God has delivered us and brought us out. And then as he does that, that builds our hope and our strength in him. Even in the book of Psalm, Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8, says this. It says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. Why? Because my hope comes from him. And I want you, some of you, you need to understand this this morning because I, I want to break this down here. It says this. It says, truly, he is my rock and my salvation. And he is my fortress. Okay? I will not be shaken. It says, my Salvation and my honor depend on God, for he is a mighty rock, 
my refuge. It says, trust in him at all times. You people, it says, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Now listen, uh, some of you are sitting there going, okay, I don't get that. Because, I, you know, I, okay, he's my rock and my salvation. I kind of think I got that, my rock. Well, the rock, the reason he's our rock is because he's, he needs to be the foundation that your hope is built on, okay? If your hope is not built on God, then simply put, you're going to be shaky on some shaky ground. And the second part here, though, I love, and it says this multiple times between the fact that he is my fortress and my refuge. Do you know what a fortress and a refuge are? Now, sometimes we see the word refuge, right? We think like it's a sanctuary for birds or something like that. Okay, that's not what we're talking about here. When it talks about he's my fortress and my refuge, it literally wants to take you back to a different time. And in a different time, you would live outside the city wall most likely, right? You'd be working out in the field, and then all of a sudden, the enemy would come to attack you. And where do you run if you're out in the field or if you live outside the city walls? What do you do? You run into the fortress. You go inside the walled city because guess what? The walled city is meant to withstand the attack of the enemy. It's meant to withstand that. The city gives the people around it the, fort, the, the hope because they know that their fortress won't fall. If you've ever watched Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings is a really great example of this. There's certain uh, different parts in the different movies of Lord of the Rings where they attack a city, right? And what happens is everybody comes to the inner city walls. And then if it gets too dangerous there, we move to the next step to the inner part of the city. Because as we come in, we're hoping and praying that the fortress, right, that the, the stronghold will hold. That it's going to be our refuge. It's going to be the thing that delivers us. And for many of us, listen, we have a tough time understanding it because it's a different time for us. But listen, this is God saying in Psalm here that, that listen, when you don't know what else to do when you have run out of hope guess what i am your hope to keep going all you have to do is come into the city that i've built for you that's into his presence that's into into his community of believers and he says guess what i'm going to give you the hope the hope to keep on going i'm going to give you that hope through jesus the hope to to lose our fears to lose our worries and to hang right on and to continue to carry on and the third one and final one is this, is that when we have a new day with Jesus, Jesus is going to bring the help that we're seeking, the help that we're seeking. In Lamentations 3.26 through the end part there, it says that this, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And in Psalm 46.1 says this, it says, God is our refuge here it is again, what is it? our refuge and our strength, a very present help. What? When we're in trouble. When we're in trouble, he's there. I, I, I get that sometimes the weariness and, and, and when we experience crisis, we often want the answer immediately, don't we? When that thing happens to us, when we get the bill that we didn't expect to, when we get the bad doctor's diagnosis that we didn't understand, when, we, when the thing happens to us, we instantly want the, the answers and the satisfaction of knowing that God, if you're going to show up, you said you're going to show up, show up, boom, like, come on, like, bring it, like, let's have that moment where we can experience the hope, right, because we want to have the hope then, but then the problem is, is that the time goes by, and when time goes by, it starts to feel a little scary, doesn't it, 
It starts to feel a little scary when you kind of step out on that, when you're out on that ledge and you don't know when it's coming because it's been a little bit of time now. And I was supposed to have hope in God and I, and I am, I am. And he's not shown up yet. What's happened? Why don't I experience, where's he at? Listen, one of the things that, that we need to experience is this and we need to understand when it comes to God is that sometimes when we go through things, when we need the help, he is there. But remember that he operates on his timeline. Many times we want him to operate on our timeline because we want to answer right now. We want to know right now. We want to know why things are happening right now. But we can look continually throughout scripture and see this, that God operates on his own timeline. Jesus even operated on his own timeline. And if you don't believe me, ask Lazarus. Because what happened with Lazarus? Lazarus gets sick and he dies. And does Jesus show up when he's sick? Nope. Does Jesus even show up after he just died? Nope. Jesus doesn't even come to the funeral. Jesus misses it all and we've done put Lazarus in a tomb and we've wrapped him up. But the point and the fact of the matter is, is, is to look around, you would think what? All hope is lost. The whole cause is for nothing because guess what? Jesus, you did not show up when you were supposed to show up. But what happens? When Jesus does, it didn't matter that Lazarus had been dead for days. It didn't make any difference because guess what? Jesus brings hope to life. And when he brings hope to life, he speaks the word and his words are life. And I need somebody in here this morning, I need you to understand that Jesus' words are life. They speak life in your life and they speak life in my life. And listen, I, I need you to understand that this happens repeatedly in scripture. The woman that had an issue with blood, did she have an issue with blood for a week? Did she have it for a month? Did she have it for years? No, she had it for 12 years. 12 years, this woman was considered unclean by everyone in her community. No one was allowed to touch her. No one could come near this woman. And guess what? It would have been really easy for this woman to throw in the towel and say, guess what? He's, he can't do it. God can't, he's not going to come on my behalf. He is not able to do that. He's not able to stand up for me, but she still believes she's still on hope. And guess what? She was healed after 12 years. There was a man on the side of a pool that laid handicapped, paralyzed. He, he could not do anything for 38 years of his life. He, he had been here waiting for a miracle, hoping and praying that just something would happen, that just that, that when, as the angel would come to stir the pool, that the first person in the pool would be healed, just hoping and praying that he could be that first person. But what do we find out? That ain't where his healing came from. It came when Jesus showed up and he spoke into his life and, and he allowed him to experience the freedom that today some people are looking for. Today, if you're looking for that freedom, I want to let you know it is there because as it says that, oh, holy night, guess what? A weary world can rejoice for a new and glorious morn because we can experience new life through Jesus Christ. And a new day is coming. A new day is coming. Would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to close? There's one thing in common through all the ones, the examples I just gave between Lazarus, the woman, and the man that was paralyzed, that couldn't move. 
the one thing that was in common was this, is that they all had an encounter with Jesus. And that the encounter that they had with Jesus changed their life. And as the worship team is coming out today, as, as we're closing here, I just, I want to read you this scripture from Luke. This is from Luke 1. In Luke 1, towards the end of the chapter there, Zechariah, who was Jesus's, uh, was related to Jesus, it was actually John the Baptist's father who was related to Jesus. Zechariah took the opportunity here and he, and, he, and he prophesied something. And this is in Luke 1, verse 78. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, he says, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. He says, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. And he says, to guide our feet unto the path of peace. The person that wrote O Holy Night, he knew the story of Jesus' birth, but he did not actually know Jesus. The person that did the music to it, they knew the story of Jesus. They, they, they knew what they considered the story of, of how Jesus was born, but they didn't actually know Jesus. They didn't have that relationship with him. And today, as we get ready to close, I, I want to let you know that you today have an opportunity to experience a relationship with Jesus. And the Jesus that we're talking about is not a baby. He's not just a, a cute baby that's wrapped up in, in some cloth that's laying in a manger that's on a mantle or a fireplace. That's, that's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about is the fact that Jesus, who, who, who came out as a baby, he grew up as a big man. And, and as that man, he, he walked this earth and he said a lot of crazy radical things. He's, he said a lot of things that are contrary to how many of us live. And the simple fact of the matter is this, is he's called each and every one of us. He's called all of us to live a life according to his teachings, his purpose, and his will. Because when we do these things, when we, when we take that step, we're going to find that there's hope. We're going to find that God is going to be there. He's going to be the help that we're seeking. He's going he's to be there in that time of trouble. He's going to be there when you don't think you can press on. When you think that you're weary and tired and worn out and broken. When you think that you've got the bad news that you can't take any more bad news. He's going to be there. I love how in scripture it talks about the fact that he's the prince of peace. And I love the fact that God dishes peace out to people that need it. He, he just, people that need peace, he just speaks it to. And just through his Holy Spirit can come and can calm all of our emotions. He can calm our hearts. He can calm our fears. He can calm all our anxieties that we have. So today, I want to ask if you would, would you, would you bow your head with me this morning? And today, if today it, you want to take that step for the very first step to come and to experience relationship with Jesus Christ, today there's no greater day. All you have to do is, is, is talk to him. And I know it feels weird if you've never done it before, but it's one of those things if you just take the opportunity to express how you feel right now and say, listen, Jesus you came as a baby, but I'm so happy that you grew up and you died for my sin. How many people in this place are happy that he died for your sin at this point? And can you, can you just take some time this morning? Can we pray 
and say, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you, Father God, for your son, Lord, for Jesus Christ who came, who was born of a virgin, who, who lived, who died for me, Father God, who died so I could experience the freedom, so I could experience the peace and the hope and the mercy, Father God. Lord, we just thank you. We give you the praise. And today, if this is your if this is your cry, you say, listen, God, I'm thankful for your son, Jesus. If this is your first time, the next thing is this, is once you accept Jesus, once you, once you call out to him for help, once you, once you admit that he's the son of God, the next thing is this, is for you to say, God, I'm sorry for the things I've done in the past. And Lord, through your spirit, through your Holy Spirit, allow me not to live that way anymore. Because here's the thing, the hope that God has, that God wants for each and every one of us, guess what? The only way we get to experience the hope is to let go of the past. You've got to be able to let go of the past to experience the hope. It's a trade-off. You don't want to hold on to the past anyway. It's not been that good to you. But the hope that God has for you is so much better. And so you say, Lord, I, I, I'm so sorry, Father God, for the sin, for my mistakes in my past, Lord God, and I turn it over to you. Help me to live for you today. And today, I, I just want to say, as we're, we're going to pray, and we're going to sing a song here to close out in just a second. But as we do, I want to ask if you would do this. I, I don't ask this very often. I don't want you to feel too weird with this, but would you just lift the hand up? You don't have to lift both, just one. Just lift the hand up this morning. And as we pray together, I realize that Christmas can be one of those times that can be tough. And it, it, it can be like a, a daily or a, 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 a struggle that we experience all the time because we've lost people. And we, we struggle with uh, doubt and guilt and shame and all, all the other things that can come from the remembrance of, the, of this time of year sometimes. It happens. People have had some really bad things happen at Christmas and, and they just like to rear their head up. And today, would you lift, if you maybe you know somebody or you are that person, lift that person up in prayer this morning. Take the opportunity to call out on somebody's behalf. Somebody needs healing. Somebody needs to be set free. Somebody needs liberty this morning. So call out. And, and, and church, I want to ask if, you, if you're okay praying out loud, pray out loud. And if you're not, that, that feels weird to you, then you don't have to. But pray with me together as we call out on, these, uh, on, on, the, on behalf of these people. Father God, Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord God, this morning, Father, that you brought each and every one of us together in this place, Father God. Lord, we just want to come to you and give you the praise and the honor and the glory this morning. We want to thank you for your presence in this place, Father God. And Lord, we want to thank you, Father God, that you've been able to speak to our hearts and our minds this morning, Father God. Not because of who said it, Father God, but because it came from your word, it came from scripture, Father God. And Lord, right now we call out on behalf of these other people. Call them out, church. Call them out. Take the opportunity to pray today for somebody. Lift someone up. Take the opportunity, Father God. Lord, I know that there are so many people that we know, Father God, our, our loved ones, our relatives, our families, our co-workers, our neighbors, Father God, that need a touch from you, Father God. Lord, maybe they're sick, Father God. We have people right now that are in the hospital, Father God. We have people right now, Father God, that need to experience a touch from you. They're in a rehabilitation center, Father God. Lord, they need a touch from you. They need to experience your hope and your peace today, Father God. Lord, we call out on their behalf, Father God. We 
cry out to you, Lord God, because we recognize and we admit today that we don't have the control over it, but Father God, that you do, that you sit high on the throne, that you have the world in your hands, Father God. You know how each and every single one of us was made, Father God. And Lord, we thank you today, Lord, that you can send your spirit, your Holy Spirit, anywhere on this entire planet, Father God, to speak and to minister to people, Father. That, you can ex that they can experience the comfort that only you as the comforter can give. That they can experience only the peace that the Prince of Peace can give, Father God. That they can, Lord God, experience what it is to walk in freedom today. Father, we just want to thank you. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. They just look so cute, don't they? they uh, it's just amazing. How uh, I do if you have kids do you, when they're in the car, do they just like love to sing anything that comes on the radio? My my kids, especially Haley, she loves any opportunity uh, that she gets to sing a Christmas song, and she loves the the Mariah Carey "All I Want for Christmas Is You," and she knows it drives me up a wall. So she constantly, every time I change it, she changes it back to that station, and we have a little radio war. Uh, right in the car there. But uh, today, for the lyrics of Christmas, we're going to kick off uh, our second week with O Come All You Faithful. And uh, how many of you, you've sang this song probably a hundred times, right? I mean, it's just one of those ones we sing it every Christmas. Uh, we we kind of know it. It's just one of those ones that we uh, kind of go to. We've heard every single artist in the history of artists that sing Christmas carols and Christmas music. They've all sing this because it's just such a classic song. And uh, one of the things, you know, we love about it is, you know, it talks about, oh, come all you faithful, the joyful and the triumphant, right? And it makes you, it kind of gets you in the mood where you feel like you're excited and you're ready for Christmas. But the real fact of the matter is, is, is that oftentimes when I get the opportunity to speak with people, you know, I, I find out that they very often don't feel very joyful. They don't feel very triumphant. They feel more in the way of, of doubtful or depressed or, or defeated. They, they feel like there's stuff coming against them all the time. I can't tell you, uh, just this week alone, I've had multiple people that I've had the opportunity to talk with and that have just said, man. It's just tough. It's just so incredibly tough. You know, we're, we've got all this stuff going on in life, and it just feels like stuff just comes beating and beating and beating us down. I had one, uh, one family I talked to, they just said, you know, if there's anything such thing as luck, boy, I know that we draw the bad luck straw every single time, right? And sometimes we can feel that way. And, and you know, obviously... Uh, you know, some Christians, you know, they're the super Christian where they're always cheery and upbeat all the time, right? Those are the ones you kind of want to smack every once in a while because you're just like, no, not today. I can't, I can't do you. You just, you got too much Jesus in you today and I can't take that much Jesus right now. So you need to tone it down just a touch. But, you know, we find that many times what happens, you know, what we experience, anybody ever experienced what you would consider a lack of faith? You ever had that? Anybody be bold enough? Okay, so two of you. Oh, yeah, that's good. I'm oh, 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 there's a couple more. Okay, good. So, so we have experienced a lack of faith at points in time. And, you know, so when you sing, oh, come all ye faithful, and you're supposed to be joyful and triumphant, you know, it, it, it can kind of wear on you if you really think about the lyrics to think about where we should be versus where many times we are. And, you know, one of the exciting things, though, about this song is it kind of opens up to us, you know, to who Jesus calls. 
And, and with who Jesus calls, we got, if you're taking notes today, we're going to be uh, throughout uh, scripture. We're going to kind of bounce around a little bit. We're going to spend a little bit of time in Matthew, but we're going to go from there. So if you have your Bible or the Bible app, if you want to open up to the book of Matthew, we're going to start in verse or chapter 11. And, uh, and we find out that who does Jesus call? When he says, oh, come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant, you know, and, and you, that doesn't feel like you. But he doesn't just call the victorious people that feel victorious at the time. And one of the amazing things I think about Jesus is that Jesus actually specifically spent a lot of his time, a lot of his ministry and a lot of the effort and energy that he put into what he was doing because he called the weary and the burdened. He called people that were wore down and beat down. He spent time with them. He, he ate meals with them. That's the people who he healed. He, when he did his ministry, he didn't do it a lot of times with the people that were sailing super high and feeling super excited and joyful. But he did it with those who were weary and burdened. And, and we find in Matthew 11, uh, verse 28, it says this. Jesus said, come to me. What all of you who are excited and always on a high and are ready to take on the world. Now he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. And what does he say? I will give you work. No, no, he's, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I will give you the rest that you're looking for. And, and he understood this, that, that there was something inside of us. Jesus understood that there was a calling, a yearning inside of us that wanted that, that needed that rest, that needed to be able to experience what it was to find the peace that only he could bring. And not only that, but we know that Jesus calls those who are weary and burdened, but he also spent time because he called the sinners. And we know that that's the second point is that Jesus called the sinners. And in Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 and 13, he says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not healthy. Uh, if, if it is not healthy, who needs a doctor? He says, who needs a doctor but the sick, right? Healthy people don't always go to the doctor. It's the ones that are sick that do. He says in verse 13, for I have not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. Because he says, I know that the sinners are the ones who actually need to hear and experience what I have to offer. And listen, if you felt many times in life, or maybe you still feel this way, you deal with this in a weekly, uh, a weekly thing where you don't feel like you're good enough and you don't feel like you love a lot. You don't feel like you can make it or that you're successful enough on your own. Well, the good news is, is you're not. Uh, and you say, how is that good? Because simply to put that Jesus doesn't want you to do it on your own. He doesn't want you to experience that life all by yourself. He says, listen, you don't have to do that because I'm the doctor. Come to me and, and, and I'm going to take care of you. He says that he calls the sinners and, and he calls the weak and the weary. He calls the ones who have no hope and he tells them to come. And the one thing, though, that we love about Jesus, right, is the fact that when he calls us to this place, he doesn't actually leave us there. Like, he doesn't just say, okay, look, come to me, and then you, you, we're going to be okay. But he says, no, I'm going to take you. We're going to go on somewhere. Second Corinthians says this in chapter 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone's, anyone is in Christ, what are they? They've been made a new creature, a new creation. He says they have come. And it says the old is gone and the new is here. Now, a lot of times that feels weird for us, right? Because maybe you were this way, where you came, maybe it was here at Discover, or maybe it was somewhere else in life. Maybe you were young uh, in, in a, a VBS or, or wherever you were. Maybe you, you 
you, you, you went to a revival meeting or something like that back in the day, or maybe you went to school with your grand, or went to church with your grandparents, or your parents brought you, and maybe you had this moment, right, where you experienced God, and you experienced the Holy Spirit, and then you asked Jesus for forgiveness, and you asked him to be the Lord of your life, and you asked him to come in, and you heard people talk about how this, with this new creature, this new creation, that that the old is gone and the new has come, right? And, and, and sometimes though, you don't feel very new, do you? Especially as you get older. You don't feel very new. You tend to feel old, right? But, but the fact of the matter is, is that God says that, listen, I have come to bring something new into your life, to inject something new into your life that even though, even though sometimes you feel weary and beat down, that guess what? You don't have to hold on to that stuff. Because I've come to give you fresh and new existence. I've given you something better and something more. So what does Jesus help us to become? I got three things really quickly today that I want to want to want to go through what, what Jesus helps us to become. And the first one is this. And this is so important. This is important for me anyway. Is that Jesus helps us to become more faithful. Jesus helps us. To become more faithful. Because if you look at Hebrews 12 too, What does it say about Jesus? What does it say about who God is? He says, it says let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. The author and the perfecter of our faith. If Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Then what it is that Jesus does for us. Is he helps us to become more faithful. To the things that he's called us to. Listen. Wives. Jesus is going to help you to be more faithful to your husbands. Husbands. Guess what? Jesus is going to be. Help you become more faithful to your wife. He's going to help you be more faithful to your children. He's going to help you be, and as some of you probably don't want to, he's going to help you be more faithful in your jobs. You're like, I don't know that I want to be more faithful there. But he will. He'll help you. He'll help you to be more faithful in those areas of our lives. And, and, and when we, how do we do this though, right? Because you say, well, it's, it sounds easy when Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith, but how does he help us to become more faithful? And, and I love I love when we get into scripture, it says this in Romans, it says, Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It, 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 listen, we have to make sure that we're taking the opportunity to hear and to listen to God. And one of the things I love to encourage people when they go through growth track, one of our parts of our growth track talks about like if we're a Christian and we claim to, to be in Jesus, what are some things that we should be doing to make sure that we can stay strong in Christ. One of the things that I love is the fact that you live in amazing, an amazing age, right? You can have something that you buy from somewhere else in the world. You don't even know where it is, right? You just go online, you buy something, and it can be in your house somewhere between 24 to 48 hours. That's amazing, right? That's amazing. You love that. Well, one of the other amazing things about the world in which we live in is the fact that they have created, Life Church has helped to create an app for you that you can download. It's a Bible app that you can download, the Version Bible app. And you know one of the things I love about this app? It will read to you. It has daily devotions. It reminds you constantly. Uh, it's, it, my, we have it set on mine. I have it set on mine on my phone that uh, just before 7, somewhere between 6 and 7, I get the reminder that comes onto my phone every single morning with the scripture of the day and get you into the devotions and it gets you in there because that way, guess what? 
Facebook and all these things are going to be calling you. Your kids are going to say, Mom, I don't have any clean clothes. And, you know, like the world calls early, right? And one of the things that this does is it helps me stay in the mindset to say, guess what? Jesus has this today. Like, you, you got this, okay? We, we, can, we can make this work. And, and, and what it allows, though, is it allows me to make sure that I can hear from God through his scripture throughout the day. If you don't have that set up or you need help with it, please, please make sure you take the time to ask me or ask one of our uh, good team members. If they don't know how to do it, they'll find me. We will get you set up because I want to make sure that you are taking the opportunity to hear God's word. Because guess what? Faith comes from hearing and it comes from hearing the words of Christ. You know, this is one of those, uh, Jesus helps us to become more faithful. And when Jesus helps us to become more faithful, this is one of those ones where you might look at me. And I, I think I cleaned up pretty good this morning. By the way, I picked this outfit out by myself. Okay, so don't think, don't try to give Amy any credit. Okay, this is all, this is a Curtis Jones original this morning. Okay, but you know, you can probably look up here and say, oh man, you've got this all together. You know, you, you, you've experienced nothing, you know, you, you, you must have a really great life and, and it is good and you've always had it good and it ain't always been good. But, but I just wanted to give you a little insight into some of the things that maybe I, even I've overcome a little bit and that God has helped me to find through his faithfulness and his enduring commitment to me. You know, there was years ago, I've been uh, in ministry now uh, for basically 15 years. We've been married for 15 years, and we basically got married, and two weeks later started in full-time ministry. And and uh, there's been times along the way, how many of you know sometimes church people are mean? Do you know that? Did you ever know that? Sometimes, I know you're never mean. I, I know you're not. You're the sweetest people on the planet. But sometimes other church people, the, the church people can be mean. Christians can be mean. And, and, and I experienced a time when I was in ministry where I just, I knew that I was walking where God had wanted me to. And, and, and I just knew where I was supposed to be. And I knew, and you ever had a time in your life, man, where you knew that you were supposed to be there, that you were supposed to be doing something. And then somebody comes and smacks you in the face with something. You ever had that? Like, like when you know that you're where God called you to be, and then you find out you're fired. What? Wait, what just happened? You know what I mean? And you, you sit there and you ask yourself the question, no, 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 that's not how this goes. No, no, no. You know, because listen, I know what the Bible says and Jesus didn't say nothing about me getting fired today. Like, like that, that's not how this is supposed to work. And, and as you go through and, and part of the thing that came into my life over this was the fact that through the experience that I had with being let go from one of the ministries that I was serving in was it was just like a knife in the heart, right? Like it just like it hurt. It was one of those ones where you're sitting there going, no, this can't be, this can't be God. How, how is this ha going to happen? How does this all work like this? But simply put, we know uh, uh, through what worked out to be, a, it was a time frame. It wasn't like a, today I was bad and the next day I was okay again. You know, it, it wasn't like a, you were like, you know, upset and then the next day it was all gone. Like it took me a little bit of time to get over. And it's one of those ones where you can see that maybe you've experienced this. When this kind of stuff happens in your life, you just want to be like, you know what? Forget this. You know what I mean? You just want to walk away. Don't you? I was going to say it happens in life, right? When it, when it comes and it smacks you in the face and you feel that you've either been wronged or, or done something, done, it, it, you've been it, it, done something wrong to you, the, the justification does not mean the cause. It, it just, you're sitting there going, you have all these questions. It smacks you in the face and you say, you just want to give up. I just want to throw in the towel. But you know, one of the things I love is that even when you experience that, 
you can find that, that God is faithful and Jesus is faithful. In Isaiah 43, uh, Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 3, it says this. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. He says, and when you pass through the rivers and they sweep over you, he says, when you walk through the fire, you will not get burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. In verse 3, it says, for I'm the Lord, your God, I'm the Holy One of Israel, and I am what? I am your Savior. When you experience those waters, and sometimes you go into water and don't feel too bad, but then all of a sudden, you ever, I've never gotten caught up in a riptide, thank God, because I'd probably drown. I probably wouldn't be here today, okay? But you ever experience that where you see, you have the people that you hear stories that they get caught up in it, where all of a sudden, they're just snatched and they're gone, right? And they're just snatched and they're gone. And the next thing you know, you were like really close to shore and now you feel really far away. And then you've got to have faith in your swimming abilities, don't you, to get back to shore. Well, one of the things I love about God is that he's literally telling us through this portion of Isaiah. He says that when that stuff happens and you get snatched away, you don't know how you're going to make it back. He says, don't you worry about it. He says, because I got this. He said, it, it might not be easy. You, you're going to sw swallow some water. You're going to choke up. You get a little bit of seawater. You, you know, you get that seawater in your nose, down your throat, and it starts burning, and your eyes start watering, and you don't know what to do, and you start panicking. He says, listen, I'm not saying that that ain't going to happen. He says, but what I'm telling you is that I got this. Don't worry. Have faith and realize that Jesus brings us to a place where we can be more faithful because of his faithfulness to us because of his faithfulness to us he's going to help us to become more faithful the second thing is this is that jesus helps us to become more joyful now i didn't say he's going to help you be happy all the time okay joy and happy ain't the same thing but he's going to help us to be more joyful and the reason that we can say this is because of what it says in Galatians when it starts I'm not going to read the whole thing Galatians 5:22 that talks about what the fruit of the spirit is and you know what the first one uh, the first two actually is listed you know what it is it's love okay so we're going to have love if we're in Christ and the next one is what joy we're going to have love we're going to have joy we're going to exhibit the fruit of the spirit if he is in us. And as God moves in us in a relationship, as we move in a right relationship with him, we're going to see the love and the joy expressed out of us. That does not mean, that does not mean that when you kick your little toe on the corner of the fireplace, that you're going to be joyful about it. I mean, maybe you are. If you are, tell me your secret because I do that sometimes. Or when you step, anybody ever have like the little matchbox cars in the house and you step on that and then you want to say, you don't even know, you're making up words. You're not even saying real words. You're just making up stuff, right? Because you experience it. I'm not saying that that stuff's not going to happen, but what is going to happen is when he comes and we have that relationship with God, when we're able to build that relationship with God and God's people uh, like we have here at Discover, I, I want to let you know that when that happens, guess what? You're going to exhibit love. You're going to exhibit joy, and it's going to happen because Jesus helps us to become more joyful. I love it in Luke chapter 2 as part of the, the story of Jesus' birth verse 10 it says but an angel said to them now of course what's the angel say do not be afraid because that's what you said as an angel because you just they've done they've done had an accident right they, they freaked out he says do not be afraid for I bring you good news 
that will cause great joy for all people. You know why great joy from all people? Because Jesus brings joy. And in verse 11, he says, today born in the town of David, a savior has been born. And we know that when Jesus steps into the world, when he comes into the situation, he brings joy. The third one is this, as we're getting ready to wrap this up, is that Jesus, when we experience life with Jesus, is that Jesus helps us to become triumphant, become more triumphant. I want to let you know, triumphant is not a word we use very much anymore, right? It's just not a word where you don't feel like you wake up, you stretch out in the morning, you, you know what, I'm going to be triumphant today. You never say that, right? You never say that. Maybe you should. You freak everybody in your whole house out, okay? They're going to freak out, like, what are you talking about, man? Like, what's going on? We don't use that word, but... But what it basically is saying is that with Jesus, he helps you become more triumphant, which means that you win. When you triumph over someone, you win. You, you experience victory. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says this in verse 6. And I love this because Isaiah, if you don't realize this, if you have a Bible app or, you know, you don't realize this unless you have the, the Bible like in page form right in front of you, right? Isaiah is in the Old Testament. And this is... A, a prophecy that was talked about about Jesus long before Jesus was ever born. He says in verse 6, he says, For unto us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called what? He'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And it says, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be what? There will be no end. It says, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from the time on and forever. He's going to reign. Jesus said, that, Isaiah said when he, when he had this prophecy, when this was written down, that guess what? When he comes, when he comes, we're going to experience ju uh, justice, righteousness. We're going to experience the triumph and the glory of God. We're going to experience that. And if you need help understanding what the triumph in your life looks like, imagine walking around with Chuck Norris. Okay? I want you to experience that. Now, if you don't know who Chuck Norris is, you need to do some research, okay? Because everybody should know who Chuck Norris is. All right? Chuck Norris is just the action. Chuck Norris was Liam Nielsen before Liam Nielsen was, that was even a thing. Like, he didn't even exist. Chuck Norris, though, was the man who would go in and he would have guys with machine guns, wouldn't he? Or, or with some sort of massive weapon. And he just comes in and shows up on the scene with nothing but some cowboy boots and a belt buckle. And just starts kicking people in the head and just wipes everybody out. Chuck Norris can do stuff that nobody else can do on the entire planet. Like he's inspired a whole set of, of, of sayings and memes that, that you can see throughout the internet. Because Chuck Norris has just become that legendary, right? Because if Chuck Norris fights with you, guess what? You don't even got to show up because he's already there and he's taking care of the situation. And this is what Jesus does. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Is It's like fighting with Chuck Norris on your side. You don't even have to, when you show up, guess what? You already have victory over the situation. Just because God is there. He showed up. And because when God shows up in our lives, he brings triumph over what it is that we're experiencing one of the things that I think is the most amazing about Christmas is that, you know, we here in 2018, we, we've been, you know, for years, obviously, we, we make such a big deal of Christmas, and we should, 
But one of the things I think is so amazing is that we do all of this, what, for a baby, a small baby that was born. And, and it's hard for us to imagine, right, because we've all seen babies and we've held babies and they seem so innocent and so just small and, and, and how can they do anything? But, but the amazing thing about a baby is when, when you look into the eyes of a child, you, you have no idea what you're looking at, do you? You don't know what they're going to become. You don't know what they're going to do, the world they're going to change, how they're going to impact the lives of people around you. And it's amazing to think that as this small baby was born, and he was born in a cave among animals, and, and, and through everything that he experienced in his life with people trying to kill him and, and trying to always pull him down, that this baby was born the king of kings. He was born lord of lords. He was born the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's one of my favorite, and he's the Prince of Peace. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. And I love the fact that we get to sing songs at this time of year, and we talk about coming and adoring him, not because he's this baby and he stays this baby forever, obviously, but because when he came as a baby, even though he was so small, he made an impact in the world. If you don't believe me, he made an impact in the world. Go any, anywhere to any museum, and what are you going to find? You're going to find things divided up into a timeline, won't you? You know what the timeline, you know when the timeline started? When the birth of a small child was introduced into the world, it split time. It, it created two separate events. One was before him, and one was after him. That's, ins that's amazing, isn't it? You know why? It's because he's Christ the Lord. It's because he reigns over everything. Would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to close? I'm going to ask if the prayer team wouldn't mind coming down to the front here. I'm going to be at the front here with them while we get ready. We're going to close and sing a song. And while we do this, I want to let you know that uh, I, I don't think there's any sort of randomness to this. I, I, I can't tell you how many people uh, this this week, I've been contacted by a lot of people, a lot of families that are experiencing some crazy stuff, that are experiencing some struggles, that are experiencing some tough times. And it kind of goes on a wide range of things. And listen, if this is you today, if you're, you're come here and you say, listen, it really doesn't have to do with Christmas. It's just life. Life has got me. And listen, it's okay because... Jesus came for the weary and the burdened. He came for those that are wore down. And we just want to make sure that we're going to take the opportunity to take the time today with you before you leave. That we want you to experience the triumph. I'm not Chuck Norris, right? But I, 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 we want to pray with you. We want to stand with you. We want to say, guess what? You know, I, we might not have all the answers, but we know who does. And let's go talk to him about it. So we're going to be down here at the, uh, in the front here. You want to come down and if you want to pray if you want to receive prayer for anything it doesn't make any difference maybe you got people that are sick in your house we we have i think five or five people give or take off the go team this morning that were supposed to be part of this morning service there's at least five people that we know that that are experiencing sickness so if that's you maybe it's it's something else maybe something unexpected happened this week don't don't be afraid to come down so that we can pray 
as we do. And if you want, if you want to start headed this way down, we're going to make sure that we take the opportunity this morning. We're not in any sort of rush. We want to make sure that we have the opportunity to speak with God, with you. We want to make sure we take the opportunity to pray this morning. And, and today, if, if you've never experienced what it is to have the relationship with God and you want to take that step, then today, come on down. Let, let us pray. Let us, let us pray with you this morning. And as you do this, if you would just open up and allow God and the Holy Spirit to, to speak and to minister to you, if you would do that, that would be wonderful. Let us worship together.